God so loved that he sent his only son for us. Amen. Oh, Jesus, come all you weary, come all you thirsty, come to the well that never runs dry. Drink of the water, come and thirst no more. Come all you sinners, come find His mercy. Come to the table, He will satisfy. Taste of His goodness, find what you're looking for.
situation and in others. And a lot of times we fail to get the blessing because we fail in the time test. Amen. Because God is a timing and a season, right? Don't go weary in doing good. You shall reap if, if you faint not. If you don't give up, if you just keep trusting and waiting and don't get rash and take things into your own hand. And God has a timing. And I don't know about you, but often his timing and my timing aren't in sync a lot. Amen. And at least when we get started and then he patiently works me to it. But we got patience to wait on God's blessing. Don't lose your victory because you weren't willing to wait for God to orchestrate things in His way at His time. Amen? Amen. Well, good morning. So good to see everybody out. Um, children, you are dismissed to Children's Church. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Sister Amy's got you. Amen. And adults, brother, let me say, stuck with me. Adults, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Colossians chapter number 3. We want to continue our sermon series from the book of Colossians. We've been here a number of weeks, a number of months. I want to talk this morning about the properly dressed believer. The properly dressed believer. I'm not going to measure your hair or your skirt, so don't get nervous. Um, we're talking about these characteristics that we wear, traits. and um, So if you would, Colossians 3, we're going to just read a couple of verses, starting with verse 12. We looked at that last week, and we're going to finish it up this week. Colossians 3 and verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves, or put on, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. That means put up with one another. Some people, you know, aren't the easiest to put up. Bear with one another and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, if you want patience to work to its umph degree and gentleness and... Over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. The properly dressed believer. As we said last time, the Apostle Paul has reached a section in the letter where he's teaching how our position ought to be in line with our practice. Our practice and our position. We are sons and daughters. We are the redeemed. We've been seated with Christ in heaven with all this wonderful position we have. But he says our practice or how we live ought to line up with that. And he starts to give to the practical part of this letter. And he's commenting and communicating and giving some characteristics and behaviors that actually should describe the Christian and identify 
and characterize a follower of Jesus Christ. And again, these these um, characteristics are for all of us. This isn't one of those, well, that's not my temperament or my ministry deal. Amen. These things are for everybody. Every, everyone gets these. I mean, you, you can you can get out of things sometimes with that temperament thing. And sometimes you can get out your calling deal. But this is if you're a Christian, this applies to you. Amen. Somebody say me. All right. These are the proper results of receiving Christ, of being born again, of being a new creature. How we spent two weeks in that second chapter, verse 6. Since you've received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue in him. If you've really received Jesus as Lord and you're walking in him, these should be some things that people see. These should be part of your characteristic. Now, you get a new character when you come to Jesus. Amen? And this is part of that new character. So again, um, in our text, we're looking at the positive side. Last time we read, just to be honest with our text, we did read the negative things that we're to put off. But we're going to take our time and look at the positive things that we are to develop in our life and act out through the Spirit. Attitudes and attributes. Characteristics that we should put on and express. Again, last time in verse 12, we looked at the early part. And Paul gave us that moving description. Of who we are as people of God. And last week we looked at three truths that should really bless us when we think about what Jesus says about us. Three um, descriptions that ought to inspire and motivate us to live out lives as those that really have been born from above. Verse 12, last time we said, we are God's chosen people. We are God's holy and set apart people. And we are God's dearly loved people. He loves us with a unique and a very special love. Not the love of a creator for creation. Not a love of God for the whole world. The special love that God has for those that belong to him. Can you say amen? And now Paul wants to continue in verse 12. And he's instructing God's people. Because of these moving truths. Because you're the chosen of God. Because you're the dearly beloved of God. Because the blood of Jesus is upon you. Because of these truths. Because of your exalted position in Christ. Clothe yourselves. Act out this way. Clothe yourselves with these things that are proper and fitting as a child of God. Let these characteristics be seen in how you walk and how you talk and how you live. You know, sometimes you hear parents say, act your age. Although the Lord says to his people, act like you're calling. Act like what you are in Christ Jesus. There should be an outward manifestation if there's really been an inward transformation. Can you say amen? If there's really been an inward transformation, a new birth, there should be an outward manifestation in how I live and how I go through life. So the first thing we're going to put on this morning, go ahead and put on compassion. Somebody say compassion. This world needs compassion. Can you say amen? I know I needed compassion. Compassion. That's heartfelt compassion. This, this word speaks about um, heart, have a heart feeling for others in their, in their sorrow and in their trial and in their situations. It's being moved with an inner sympathy. It really is feeling others' pain and considering what others are going through. Feeling the hurt, being moved by the hurt of others. You know, in the ancient world, it was a cruel world. The Greek world, the Roman world, it was cruel. And Christianity brought mercy into it. You know, in that, that Roman Empire, I mean, if you were weak, if you were old, you fend for yourself. That was it. You, you get used, abused, taken advantage of. There was very little compassion. Such words were actually negative words. There were many words in the Roman Empire that were negative until Christianity showed up. 
humility and compassion were words of weakness, words to be despised, not words to be exalted. Jesus showed up and he turned the world upside down, didn't he? Words that he used to mock, he made the cornerstone of character if you're going to belong to him. Oh, Jesus, wonderful Jesus. You know, and today we have to watch ourselves because let's be honest, you live in a fallen world with terrible things that are going on and there's still the danger of becoming kind of hard and callous towards the needs around us. Even the church can get a little bit indifferent toward the pain and hurt of others if we're not careful and we don't stay fresh and filled with the Spirit of God. But let's understand that our God and our Savior, they're moved with compassion. And that compassion should be in us, should be expressed in us, should be describing us. Christians should be a compassionate people. You know, the Bible actually says, and we'll look at it here, 2 Corinthians 1 and 3, that, that God is the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. I mean, the God we love, the God we serve, the God we sing about, he says, I'm the God of all compassion. I'm a God of compassion. So my people ought to be compassionate. And we know Jesus, the Lord Jesus, wow. Such compassion is seen throughout the ministry of Jesus. If you just take a, a little glance of the gospel, you see a compassionate Christ and that divine quality so real and so clearly seen in our Lord. You know, Jesus saw the crowds and his heart was moved. He wasn't there to critical and condemn. His heart was moved when he saw human beings struggling to navigate life without heaven's compass. He called them sheep without a shepherd. And his heart went out to them. Whether it was lost souls or diseased lepers, or lives just weary and broken by life. He said, come unto me. He saw them and didn't ignore them. He saw them and didn't condemn or reject them. He said, come unto me. I've got rest for your soul. I've got healing for your hurt. I've got compassion for your needs. I've got wise counsel for your problems and your situations. Oh, what a Savior was Jesus. He saw one crowd and they're like sheep without shepherd and he taught them. He saw another crowd and they're like, look like they're going to pass out. They were weary. They're getting ready to drop. And he fed them. He saw a leopard dying without a cure and he healed them. He went and saw a woman crying as she bearing her only son and his heart went out to her and he raised him. Glory to God. He he even saw a city that was rejecting him and saying no to him, and still he wept over them. He's a compassionate Christ, and if we call ourselves Christians, we should be a compassionate people. Somebody say amen. He was moved, not indifferent, not callous, not critical. He was moved when he saw the confusion, the frustration, the sorrow of men without God. And men trying to live in a fallen world. And all the hurt and all the consequences it brings. And friend, he's still a compassionate Christ. His heart still goes out, and he's still willing to heal the brokenhearted, to lift up the fallen. He's still willing today to forgive, to restore, to revive. He's still willing to help those that will come to him, to touch those that will seek him and call out to him. I thank the Lord this morning. That doesn't just apply to a crowd. It applies to you. It applies to me. He's a God of the individual, not just the masses. As we like to say, everybody is somebody to Jesus. So we thank God this morning that Jesus cares and Jesus is willing. And he calls us, those of us that call ourselves Christians. 
He calls us to have a heart for our world like he did. For our compassion should simply be a reflection of his compassion that's filled our lives. Now let it flow out of our lives. Put on compassion. The first thing Paul says, if you're a real Christian, if you call yourself a Christian, one thing everyone on before, he no longer does this or that. Amen? What's the first thing they normally see on the job? You don't cuss like you used to. That's an easy thing to see. But then after a while, they begin to see, you're not as snarly as you used to be either. None of you were snarly before you came to Jesus? Don't lie, you're in church. Amen. So it's that black belt and snarly. Amen. Ah, snarly. Compassion. Put on compassion. You know, and even when we can't help, even when we can't help the way we wish we could help, you know, we can pray, we can support, you know, we can weep for others. We don't have to grow cynical or judgmental towards the world. Why well, blame the world? I'd be a mess too if I didn't know Jesus. I don't know about anybody else. Amen. I'm going to be careful how I judge them. I got to judge the church, not judge them. Amen. I mean, if I was a mess and didn't know Jesus, I'm going to be careful right there. I don't want to be a cynic of the world we were sent to heal. And so sometimes, even when we can't do things, you know what? We can still weep and we can still care. I read um, author Leo Buschella. He's an author and a lecturer. He was asked one time to judge a contest where, where they were. Um, the purpose was to find the most caring child. And the winner was a four year old boy. And his story was that his next door neighbor, an older gentleman, had recently lost his wife. And he saw him in the backyard sitting there and just kind of weeping. And the little boy saw that, and he just kind of went around the fence, and he knew the old man, his mother was watching. He went, and he kind of jumped up in the old man's lap, and he just sat there. He did that for about five, ten minutes, came home. And when he came home, the mother asked, well, what do you say to Mr. So-and-so? He says, I didn't say anything. I just helped him cry. I just helped him cry. The Bible does say weep with those that weep. But sometimes there's not a lot we can do. We wish we could. But we can still weep, we can still comfort, we can still sit with you, we can still pray with you. In that, can you say amen to that? Amen, sometimes, right? And put on, put on compassion, put on And of course, when we can help, then of course help. When we can do something, then we want to do something, right? Jesus healed and Jesus fed them and Jesus taught them, go do right. We can do that. And I read another story, now this one, now this one. It has a little bit more of a more of a comical twist to it. So if you haven't woken up your funny bone, wake it up right now. Wake it up. This is another story, and it makes its point about putting our religion to practice. And if we're a people of compassion, it's one thing to feel, but when we're in, we can act, we should act. Amen. We should live our religion. Story about a man that went for a walk and fell in a pit. Poor guy should have been paying attention, but he fell in a pit. Couldn't get himself out. And some religious people came by. And you know, religious people are funny people. They have different responses to things. Sometimes you wonder, what church were they going to? But anyhow, the first one that came by was a Christian scientist. Now, don't be confused. They're not really Christian, and they're certainly not scientists. It's 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 kind of a cult type thing. But their whole deal, the Christian scientists, everything's in the brain. Everything is in your mind, your mind, your mind. They looked down on the pit and said, hey, you just think you're in the pit. You're not really in the pit. So that, they were a big help. They walked on. So the next guy that comes by, of course, 
He's a Pharisee. Now, you know if you study your Bible, those Pharisees were not the most compassionate people in the world. And Amen? Anybody? I mean, they were legalistic. They were, they were rough. And he looks down and says, Ha! You probably deserve your pit. Amen. Not much compassion there. But sometimes I hear Christians talking about people. Oh, I won't go down that road because this is supposed to be funny. But I could make it, I could turn it real quick. Sometimes we've got to watch how we talk about people that are hurting and going through things. Some immigrants and people. Come on, say amen to that. Amen. My people come off the boat years ago. And I, all right, I'll just leave that there. But this is supposed to be funny. Get your funny bone back. All right. After him came a fundamentalist. Now, they're born-again people, but they're sometimes ornery and angry. Fundamentals look down and says, only bad people fall in a pit. <laughs> you deserve your pit. Well, after that, finally the charismatic showed up. He's whistling, this is the day. Soon and very soon we're going to see the king. And the charismatic stopped and said, hey, brother, just confess you're not in the pit. Some of those crazy charismatics, they've been confessing it, ain't nothing happening. But anyway, um, Salvation Army came by. Here's some coffee and donuts for your pit. All right. <laughs> Presbyterian was next. You know, they're very firm in that sovereignty of God stuff. So Presbyterian said, it's no accident, you know, that you're in the pit. <laughs> Optimist shows up. Things could be worse. Pessimist, things are going to get worse. Well, finally, Jesus showed up. Thank God Jesus showed up. Amen? Jesus showed up. And seeing the man, took him by the hand and lifted him out of the pit. And I thank God he still lifts men out, still lifts people up, puts them in a new place and in a better place. And you know, Jesus did say the works I do should you do also. Let's put our compassion to action. Can you say amen? Number one, put on compassion. Number two, put on kindness. And this is kind of a, a teaching Sunday because that's how this text winds up. But kindness, put on kindness. What is kindness? All right. Don't look at anyone. But have you ever met some brothers that you wish I had a, 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 um, a huge sandpaper and I could just smooth them down because they're kind of rough and gruff? Well, this is for you. Kindness, the word is closely related to compassion, but really the Greek term speaks about a grace that so pervades the life. It pervades the whole person, mellowing all that might be harsh. It takes out the abrasiveness in the roughness of a person. It smooths a man's rough edges. The Holy Ghost sandpaper ministry takes away those areas that just don't need to be so rough and abrasive. and takes the harshness out of my tone, out of my temper. Don't change my temperament. It takes the harshness out of my temperament, out of my timing. It gives me more consideration. I'm kind, you see. It makes a man smoother and sweeter, a gentle man. Men, as we've been studying on our breakfasts, this is one of those velvet qualities that God desires in his men. It makes us sensitive as opposed to insensitive. You know, what do we say? You can't read the room. Some people it's like, well, what were you thinking to say that? Didn't you realize who you were talking to with the setting? Well, kindness pervades a person and doesn't want to hurt others. I, I, I don't want to hurt my brother. I, I don't want to hurt my... I like myself. I treat them as if they're my own. I wouldn't want to unnecessarily hurt them or cause them pain. 
Kindness does this to us. Makes us tender. Makes my disposition sweet. How I respond to life. How I interact with others. It helps me to be civil when I deal with others. Dr. Hayford wrote, The Holy Spirit removes the abrasive qualities from the character of one that is under his control. One of the ancient writers writing about this word describes this virtue as the man whose neighbor's good is as dear to him as his own good. Again, he doesn't want to hurt anyone or cause them pain. And what it's saying to you, I put on kindness. Let's be nice. Let's be nice in our dealings and in our conversations. Let's be nice in our comments. You know, your family life, your home life will go up 20 meters in the peace meter if we just learn to be kind with our words and kind with our response. You can say amen to that. Or you can say, ouch. Either way, the altar will be open in a little while. Amen. Um, I want to be kind. God is kind. And he's kind to the just and the unjust, isn't he? He's, he's good to those that thank him and those that don't thank him. And friend, this world could use some kindness. One of the ones old 70 songs, show a little kindness to everyone you meet. How do we say it back home? Give the guy a break. Give him a break. Give him a break. Be kind. Maybe they're going through something. Be kind. We've all been there at one time. Be kind. Tone it down. Don't be so harsh or critical with your words. You don't got to comment on everything as if you're the answer to the world's problems. Sometimes it's just better to zip it. You got it. All right. Amen. In fact, we talk about kindness. You know, kindness is one of those words, actually, that some people read about, and it's not a, it's not a cool word. It's not a powerful word. We overlook words like this. We see weakness in them, where, where God sees something totally different in them. You know, in fact, the Bible teaches us that it's the kindness of God that actually led you and I to repentance. Let's look at Romans 2 and 4. Romans 2 and 4, this is it. Hey, the kindness of God. It was God actually being kind with me and not harsh. It was God being compassionate, not judgmental. It's the kindness of God that led me to what? Repent, turn around, and wake up and respond to Him. Who'd want to respond to soul with a two-by-four that's going to hit you in the head every time you look at Him the wrong way? Amen? But it was the kindness of God getting through to me. What's the realization? Why do I want, I want to go to this God? Or do you show contempt? Do you you belittle? Do you not have a proper estimation or value contempt? Do you despise? Do you belittle? Do you not understand the great value of the riches of God's kindness? God's tolerance or patience. Not realizing that God's kindness leads you to repentance. It was the kind of, I wouldn't want to go to a God that's mean, snarly, always going to condemn me every time I fail. But it was the kindness of God that said, I'm going to turn. I'm going to this God. Amen. Oh, taste and see the Lord is good. I want to serve this Jesus. Amen. His sounds, this is what I'm looking for. Amen. I had enough of that. Kindness. God's kind. You know, the Bible actually describes that our salvation is an expression of God's kindness to us in Jesus. Ephesians 2 and 7, note takers, the expression of God's kindness to us in Jesus Christ. Salvation. You know, Jesus used this word when he described... um, when he invited us to come and serve him. When he said in Matthew, Come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. My, my yoke is what? Easy. That's the same Greek word for kind. It fits well. My yoke for your life is not overbearing. It's not afflicting. It fits you perfectly. Serving Jesus is not a burden that breaks us down. 
It's a perfect fit that enables us to live. Can you say amen to that? You know, there is, there is, there is a tradition. This is not biblical. But, you know, Jesus being a carpenter, one of the old traditions came out that he could make the best yokes of anyone. Jesus had a reputation. This is just, you know, you know fairy tale stuff. But Jesus can make the best yokes. But, you know, if you put a yoke on an animal and it was rough and abrasive, it, it, you want to make it smooth so they can walk. And it's, Jesus made the best yokes. And when he puts a yoke on our life, when his reins come over our life, it's not a rough, unnecessary burden like the Pharisees weighing people down. It's the yoke of Jesus lets, lets us live and really live. Can you say amen? And, and it's a kind thing. I love it. it. It's like a pair of shoes that fit well. You ever get a pair of shoes that don't fit well? That's how some yokes are. But when you come to Jesus, his yoke is easy. It's kind. Can you say amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. And we that have come under his yoke. And have received his kindness. Let's, we should be kind to others. God's been kind to me. And I know for a fact I didn't always deserve kindness. So help me to be kind to others. Clothe ourselves. Put on kindness. One more Ephesians 4 and 32. Look what the Bible says to us. Let's be kind. Be kind. Be kind. Ephesians 4 and 32. Be kind and compassionate to one another. To one another. Be kind to your brother. Be kind to your sister. When you interact in conversation... In your responses to life and responses to what others do. Be kind and compassionate. Forgiving each other as Christ, as in Christ God forgave you. Hallelujah. Paul's saying, since you've received, since you really become a Christian, if you're going to walk with God, these are some of the things that ought to be evident in your life. These are characteristics that we should see. He has enlisted uh, a lot of these natural things that we really overemphasize sometimes as opposed to these character issues. He says, number one, have compassion. Let your heart be moved to the hurt around you. Let's be part of the solution. Let's be driven with a compassion to help others, to lift up others, just like Jesus did. Amen. But secondly, he says, be a people of kindness and pray. Holy Spirit, remove the harshness out of me. Can anyone to be honest enough? You got to be honest. You got to be honest to grow in God. Amen. Some of you didn't have this problem. Others of us. We, we could offend half a dozen people by accident. Amen. We offended more people on accident than most could on purpose. Amen. Because there was a harshness in us. We just said it. We didn't think it. We didn't realize how the other would hear it. We just were very, we were so self that we didn't look for others. But kindness enables the Holy Spirit to take that sandpaper out. Smooth me down. I don't want to be weak, but I don't want to be abrasive either. Amen. Velvet steel. Getting back to our velvet steel thing, right? I want to be strong. I want to be firm. I don't want to be weak. But boy, I don't want to be gruff and abrasive. All right, kindness. Number three, humility. Humility. Now, humility is one of those words, sometimes it's hard to explain at times. You know, it's kind of one of those words, you, you know, you, you don't talk about it all that much as we should. But, you know, um, there was a story, Chuck Swindoll, everybody remembers Brother Swindoll. He tells a story about a church that gave their pastor... He said, I heard about a pastor who was voted the most humble pastor in America. Can you believe that? Most humble pastor. And the congregation actually gave him a medal to wear to honor him. To the most humble pastor in America. Well, he says they took it away the next week because he dared to wear it. But anyway. (laughs) Humility is one of those things. Uh, Under the heading of good advice, somebody wrote, If you're humble, you don't write a book on how humble you are with 12 life-size pictures in it. Amen. (laughs) 
And so humble is one of those things, though, isn't it? Humility. It's a freedom from pride. It's not thinking poorly of yourself. That's not what the word means at all. But it's having a really a proper estimate of oneself before God and man. Before God, there's the divine side of it. We humble ourselves before God, amen? It's a basic awareness. He's God, we're not. God's the creator, we're the creature. He's the father, we're the son or the daughter. He's the Lord, I'm the servant. He rules and reigns, not vice versa. So there's that side. But then there's the human side. You know, Peter said in 1 Peter 5 and 5 that we should clothe ourselves with humility towards one another. That all of us, he was talking young, old, this and that, all of us towards one another should act in a humble way. Not being proud, not condescending, but honoring each other, treating each other properly. All were made in God's image, all deserve basic courtesy, civility, and respect. You know, corporately, that allows the spirit to move and not be grieved. We all know Psalm 133, how blessed it is when the brethren dwell together in unity. Amen? And when you're humble one towards another, treating each other, boy, that allows the Spirit to move among the body. But also personally, when we walk and we put on humility, friend, when we study our... Again, it's some of these traits we don't study because they don't sound... In the sports world, they'd say they don't sound sexy. It's just you know, it's not cool. You know what I mean? The church runs after the latest cool thing. You know, today it's smoke and mirrors. The next day it's incense. Whatever. They just, you know, they, they get bored. And, but when we get back to the Bible and the things that God has honored and God has exalted and God says, these are the things that matter to me. Sometimes we, 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 we just, we, we don't, we're not impressed by what God is impressed by. Is that amazing? You ever, ever see that? But when we really walk in a proper humility, it actually positions us to receive some of the greatest blessings that God has for his people. Amen? It's amazing. You know, Jesus was characterized by humility. He said, I'm humble in heart. Didn't he say that? He said, I'm humble in heart. I'm meek. I'm lowly. I'm humble. Jesus, I'm humble. And when, when, when Philippians talks about Jesus, he humbled himself. He left glory. He came down. became a servant, obedient to death on a cross. He humbled himself all the way to Calvary. Humility. We're called to be humble. And to express humility to one another. And again, this is one of those Greek words. This was not a good word in the Greek-Roman world. It was a word meaning weakness. It was not a noble word. It was a negative word. Jesus makes it the cornerstone of Christian character. Jesus makes it one of the chief virtues that you can ever have in your life. Wow. He applauds humility. He encourages humility. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the peacemakers. In the economy of God's kingdom, humility is an attitude and a characteristic that brings the special blessing of God upon a life. It brings the smile of heaven upon a life. Put on humility. If you really walk in that, if you allow the Holy Spirit to break your heart and remake it like Jesus is, you know it will bring divine blessing into your life? You know, Peter said, along with James, 1 Peter 5 and 5, that God resists the what? So don't get cocky. God resists the proud, but he gives what? Anybody need grace? 
Grace goes where? To, to the one that yells the loudest, runs the fastest, the one that can memorize the most and have the buttons. The grace goes where? To the... And you know there are varying measures and degrees of grace, workings of grace. And we can have greater degrees of grace in our life. God says, how do I position myself for this? How do I qualify for this? Humble yourself. Love others. Treat others properly. Walk humbly before me. Give me glory. Lean on me. I'll resist the proud. I don't want to be on the the resisting side of God. Amen? I want to be on the grace. I need grace. I need grace. But it'll bring blessing into your life when we walk humble. When we walk humbly before the Lord, it actually brings a greater measure of God's attention and God's care into our life. There are certain things when we study our Bibles that, that God acknowledges, that God recognizes, that God finds attractive. You ever smell anything that unattractive? Certain things God says is stunk in my nostrils. Remember reading that? But there's other things. God says, hmm, that's a sweet fragrance. That attracts me. Faith attracts him. Praise and worship attracts him. Isn't that right? Humility attracts him. You know, one time the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah 66 and 2, the people of God thought they could kind of bribe God. I'll just give him more cattle and more sacrifices. Live like the devil, but I'm going to somehow manipulate God as if the true and living God could ever be manipulated by men. Come on, right? And the prophet said, listen, don't you realize heavens are my throne and the earth is my footstool? What could you do to impress me? What could you do to impress me? You can give me a thousand cattle. I own all the cattle. What could you do? But wait, prophets, wait. As if God says, wait. There is one whom I esteem. There is one that my eye catches. There is one that draws my attention to him who is of a humble and contrite heart who trembles at my word. God says, when I look at the earth, there are some things that really do get my attention. There are some things that cause me to care and bless and look into their lives in a special way. You know, when you walk in faith, when you walk in humility, when you walk in the various things that God ordains and God applauds and God encourages, God will go over a million people and he'll find you. Can you say amen? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It also brings... This positions us. It brings divine promotion into our lives. You know, the Bible tells us, and again, here, Jesus said in Luke 14, he says, um, if you humble yourself, God will exalt you. All right? But if you exalt yourself, God will... But if I humble myself, God says, I'll exalt you. I'll promote your life. Then Peter went on to say, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And guess what? In due season, when the time is right, God says, I'll exalt you and I'll promote you. And when God decides to promote you, the devil can't keep you down. Men can't keep you down. Amen? But, but how do I want to be promotable? Promotion comes from the Lord. How do I become promotable? Take the boss out for drinks after work. No! You know, kiss up. To, no! God says, humble yourself under my mighty hand. Do things my way. Honor me. Walk. Seek you first the kingdom. Do things my way. And if you'll position yourself with that humble, obedient attitude, God says, in due season, I'll lift you up. And when I lift you up, man can't keep you down. Oh, my. Put on. Clothe yourselves. Let these characteristics be seen in your life. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness. Sometimes translated meekness. 
Not weakness, but yielding to God's spirit and God's leading. Gentleness, meekness, it's a fruit of the spirit, amen? We read that in Galatians 5. Jesus describes himself meek and lowly, gentle. Speaks of the one that's under the control of the spirit. Strength and sweetness expressed accurately. God knows how to, when you're controlled of the spirit, you can speak up when it's time to speak up and you can, when it's time to, thank you. My wife don't let me use those words, so I got to get some help here. But actually, that's what the word means. The word means, you know, we said this before, in the Greek world, that word was used for a horse that had been broken and tamed. Meek, who is gentle now. Now you think, I don't know a lot about horses, but I know this much. When that horse has been broken and tamed, it's still strong, is it not? It can still run pretty quick, can it not? But now it's not wasteful, it's useful. Now it's not destructive, it's productive. Because the master can say, whoa, or go. The master can say, left or right. And this word meek and gentle means the Holy Spirit has control of the reins of our life. And when it's time to speak up, we're going to speak up and say, Jesus saves and Jesus loves you. And Jesus can heal you. And when it's time to hush up, we can simply say, may God bless you and just walk away and, and give it to God. We can do it. Why? Because I'm not being controlled by Joe. Now the Holy Ghost has the reins. And he's in control. God wants some tame men. Can you say amen? That's what we ran with that of the men's breath. God wants some tame men. Holy Ghost, tame us. Don't make us weak. It makes us the men we were made to be. Controlled by the living God. Empowered by the living God. Gentleness. Gentleness. When we practice this word, we study in our Bibles. You know, this, this word, meek, gentle, yielded. This word helps us to receive more from God. One thing you recognize as a preacher, you love ministering to receivers. Amen? Some people are receivers. Now, some are better presser-inners. Some are better stand and not be movers. But man, when you minister, you love to minister to receivers. Amen? Amen? You just open up the Bible and they're hungry. They're just taking it in. Man, that way we didn't even start serving yet. And they're already eating. Amen? You just pray and boom, the power of God. They just, but they're receivers. Other people don't receive too good. They're too firm. It took them 30 years to get the baptism. They could have got it in a half a day. Amen? Isn't that right? They struggle with receiving. You know. They won't move. Blessed their assurance. They won't move. God, an angel. They're just. No, they might be great presser-inners. You know, sometimes the receivers don't, aren't the best presser inners. But presser inners means a little sweat, a little toil, a little uncomfortable. We're going to pray through. We got to stay here till next Thanksgiving. We staying here and we getting a breakthrough and so I don't know. Receivers say, let me know when they're singing again. I, I don't know about that. Amen. Amen. And then there's some stand firmers. Woo! They stand firm. Hell can huff and puff, try to blow that house down. There are some people, God bless them. They will not budge. They're standing firm. We need all of them. Everybody. We need everybody. Isn't that right? But this word does speak about a receiver. But Paul said, not Paul said, James said, in the first chapter, verse 21, when it comes to getting the most out of the word of God, he says, and receive meekly or with gentleness the word coming to you. You remember before you really got saved, 
You might have sat under some great ministries. Wife was saved. You just dragging along to keep her happy. Um, but you're not getting anything out of it. I mean, like a bump on a log. You just, it's all over you. It could have been some of the greatest teaching in the world, but your spirit was not meek to receive it. Your heart was not that soil to receive it. Amen? But then you go to the same place, same teaching, but all of a sudden you've been changed. And now you're hungry and you're open wide. Say, feed me. Take it in. Oh, man, it just flows. Amen? It just flows. It's easy. And then Paul says, you know, one of the ways we allow the Word of God to work in us to a greater degree is how we respond to the Word. And when you have this kind of meekness and gentleness in your heart, you grow more because you receive easier. God bless the receivers. Can you say amen? You just love them. You start revival meetings with receivers. Amen. You cough and they fall down. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, you just say amen and they're getting ready to run. Oh, we need that. But they spark a lot of the other ones that aren't so sparkful. Amen. We'll leave it there. But I did say we need everybody. Amen. Sometimes when everybody's running to the next revival meeting because things aren't fun anymore, you get the standing until Jesus comes group and they hold down the fort. So, all right. I, it's real easy to get distracted in that thought. It's all right to laugh at ourselves, isn't it? Amen. God made us all different. That's right. We all have different traits and personalities. We can all love Jesus. Yeah, there, there, there's variety and diversity. Amen. There's all that in the kingdom. We can be unified and still be different. And it's true. We all need to be better receivers. But some, man, they just better. They receive better. I, I had to work at that. I'm a, I'm a guy. So it's harder. Men, men, men aren't the best receivers. There's some out there that are better. But we technically, uh, cynical. Ah, nobody give you nothing. You gotta work for it. You know what I mean? It's hard just to yield. What's this yield and stuff? How about yield? I'm gonna work. Work for what you get. Work for what you get. Sometimes the other lady, ah, take it. Woo. Boom. They get it. We struggling for seven years. Half of it's just God getting through our thick head to yield. Amen? Wasn't taught to yield. Taught to work. Taught to struggle. If you're gonna get it, you gotta earn it. But the kingdom's not always like that, is it? And that kicks, that, that hinders us from receiving. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah, they're receivers. Oh, they receive. God bless them. They know how to receive. And others, like I say, they're there. They're pressers into. We need that. Sometimes there's battles to be fought. And again, it don't take place overnight. We need people that have a faith that says, I'm going to stand and keep praying and believing. And I won't let go until you bless me. Amen. We're going to stand. Haven't done all to stand. We're going to resist this devil until he flees. If he don't flee after the first, I, you know, we're going to stand until. Man, we need that group. We need that group too. Amen. And some of the men say, I like that one a little better. That's more my style. I, got, I like to fight. I like to fight. That's good. All right. We, you know, you get some of these men and we get them sanctified. They can take some of those characteristics and use it for the kingdom. Look out, devil. Here they come. All the ladies said. All the ladies said. Get some of these old rascals going for Jesus. Amen. That's all right. God's looking for a few good men. God's looking for some men. Say, so here I am. Send me. Work in my heart. Make me the man you called me to be. Oh God, I'll, I'll, I'll be a receiver if you want me to receive. I'll be a fighter if you want me to fight. Oh Lord, I'll be a stand until if that's what you want. I won't be moved. I'll be velvet. I'll be steel. I'll be whatever you want. But here I am, God. Send me. Use me and make me. And God said, you want to be made? Then begin to clothe yourself with all these characteristics and begin to ask me. Like a broken record every time the men get together. Intentional living. Intentional living. Amen? We're not here. You shoot at nothing, you're going to hit it. Nothing. Amen? you got to have some intentional. Intentional. 
I'm an intentional wake up and say, Lord, here's characteristic that you have shown me clearly in your word. You desire me to grow in. Help me to walk. Help me to develop, mature in my gentleness and in my kindness. Can we be honest enough? Sometimes I'm not very kind. I'm abrasive. Sometimes my, my words can be a little sharp. And I wish I would have put a little salt on them. Holy Ghost salt to flavor them. Isn't that right? When I see these are things that God, I don't got to pray about this. God said, I want you to grow in those things. God said, these are things that should describe you. You, you know, you raise your kids and you have a certain thought of how you want them to come out. You know, they got different gifts and talents, but you want them to grow up to be, be responsible, faithful, loyal. Isn't that right? People of integrity. Isn't that true? You have a certain, and God has a certain. Though we're all different, there's different anointings and giftings, yet there are certain things that God said, all my people should be reckoned. They'll know you by, you see, certain things that all of us should have. And God says, we can walk in these things. We'll take us to do our part. Put on, talks to me about, i got to do something. Amen? To clothe myself with these. All right. What was the last one? Do I have a last one? Patience. I knew we wouldn't get to it. Patience. This, 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 the quality of patience. Put on patience. You know why? Patience will help you go through the trial without giving up. Deal with the hard person without blowing up. You get that? Patience. And at one I need patience to deal with situations and with people. I need patience so the situation doesn't overwhelm me. Despondency. Patience so I don't give up. When it seems like God's taking this sweet time answering my prayer and working in the life of the... Amen? I also need patience dealing with people. I need patience dealing with people. I don't blow up. Giving to anger and bitterness. Patience helps me. Patience, that quality, gives God time to work when He's working in me and in my situation and in others. It's patience that sees people finally get saved. That sees breakthroughs finally come. It's patience that allows God to take me to deeper depths of Christ-likeness than I've ever been before. But you know, you can't, you can't bake that turkey in ten minutes in the oven. How many know that? So you got a lot of half-baked Christians. Amen? Patience keeps me on the potter's wheel till he says, mission accomplished. Go ahead, son. Sometimes as soon as that little bit of that sandpaper or that breaking comes, I don't know about you, I want to jump. All right, enough of this, Lord. <laughs> God said, no, not if you want it. Got to stay there. Patience helps me stay there to endure the process that I might obtain the purpose. Mm. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. God says, put these on, put these on, put these on. All right, you ready to pray? Open the altar. All right, God is so good to us. He's calling us. If you're my people, let the world, let your family see these attributes in you. These are characteristics that I esteem. These are characteristics that I desire to see my people show to the earth. Amen? A properly dressed believer. And don't forget, that final verse is what? Love, right? Love, love. 
You want to be, want to have more patience? Have a greater measure of love. You want to be kinder to people? Greater measure of love. Isn't that true? If you, if you want to walk in gentleness, love, love, love puts them all together. Love helps them operate to their optimum, maximum. Love, love, love. So if you can't remember more, Lord, help me walk in a greater measure of love towards my brother and toward the world and towards everybody else. If you're here today and things aren't right between you and God, today's the day to get them right. You've never received Christ. He loves you. He died for you. But you need to receive him and come to him. But if you'll come, he'll receive you. So in a little while, we're going to sing the final song, have the final prayer, and we'll open these altars. And people will be here praying. And if you want to receive Christ, come and someone will pray with you and talk with you. Maybe here today, and maybe you're not where you need to be with God. It's time to make some adjustments. When I was a child, I acted like a child, but now I've become a man. Put away some childhood. Sometimes we can know the Lord, but we have to make a decision. I'm going to grow up in God and really start to walk like I should with God. And maybe you're here today and God's asking for a fresh commitment, a fresh step of devotion. Well, come and do it. Obey the Lord. If the Holy Spirit's speaking to you, obey him. Come and pray and have someone pray with you. If you're here today and you have a need, maybe you need physical touch in your body. The healing Jesus is here. Maybe you just need to come and wait on the Lord and get refreshed. Others will pray with you and you can get filled again. Get back out into the battle. So we're going to pray and we're going to open these altars. And I want to encourage you, if God's speaking to you, if you have a need, come and let God touch you and bless you. Stand with me, please, as we pray. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And as we usually end, after I pray, we sing the final song. Sing it one time through before you go. Then if you have to go, please go and God bless you and have a wonderful week and the rest, the altars will be open. We'll just pray through and pray one for another. Let us pray. Father, we love you. Father God, we are so grateful. We are so honored to be sons and daughters of God. So thankful for the blood of Jesus that has redeemed us and reconciled us to you. Father, help each one of us to put on these Christ-like characteristics. Father God, help us more and more, day after day, to grow that others might see Jesus in us. Help us, Lord, to grow and develop these traits that others might recognize the difference that what's happening on the inside is shining through and affecting our outsides. And now, Lord, as we come to the altar, Father, in Jesus' name, do something fresh and powerful at this altar this morning. Do something fresh and powerful in each one that's hungry and thirsty and willing to respond in faith. Father, fill the thirsty. If anyone's thirsty, they've been battling and they're weary, they're exhausted emotionally and mentally. Lord, fill them, fill them, fill them. Encourage them, refresh them so they can get back into the fight. Lord, if anyone's just weary as they drink, if anyone's hurting, let your gifts of healings flow. If anyone's sick in their body, let the healing touch of Jesus be released at this altar. Oh, Father.